Welcome to today's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind, with permission of the Worcester News, recorded here on Thursday 23rd of June 2022 at Colin Chance House. I'm Evelyn Brock, editor for this edition, and with me to read the articles today are Moira Lowe and Penny Welford. Our sound engineer is Alex Gwynne, and we are, as usual, ably supported by the admin team, led by Carol Hartle. A warm welcome to all our listeners, especially new ones. I do hope that everyone enjoys this offering. In addition to news items, you'll hear some useful telephone numbers, including theatres, readers' published letters, birthdays and thought for the week. A reminder that nowadays obituaries are placed following the closing music, so if you wish to hear them, please stay tuned then. Don't forget that recordings are usually available as podcasts, but at present, talking books are not available on memory sticks, but rather on CDs and tape. Also, do let us know your birthdays so that we can greet you, especially when the time comes. This service is free to users but if you would like to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester WR5 1DA. We do like hearing from you, and a message can be left on our answer phone. That's Worcester, that's 01905 767766 or you could add a note to your wallet. If there's a problem with any aspect of your receiving the recordings, please use the answer phone on the number I've just given and leave a message to that effect. Now something special to this week. I'm sure you're only too aware most theatre plays are produced principally for a sighted audience, leaving those with a visual impairment to rely on an audio description service or the help of a companion to pick up visual information central to the plot. But here's a theatrical event that takes all of that into account. A.R. Gurney's Pulitzer Prize-nominated play Love Letters was not actually written exclusively for a visually impaired audience, but the play's reliance purely on the spoken word with no visual elements makes it an ideal theatre show for people who have problems with sight. This love story, with a difference, contains two people who meet at primary school and then keep in contact throughout their lives via an almost continuous exchange of letters 
some sad, some funny, both prosaic and poetic. As the play unfolds, the two characters, Melissa and Andy, read aloud their letters to each other, allowing us to follow the development of their complex and intriguing relationship with all the humour and sadness that that brings. Based in Worcestershire, the theatrical duo Two's Company gives performances of love letters all round the country to raise money for various charities. John Horton from Crowell and Pauline Beale from Pershaw, who has herself contributed many times to our own talking magazine, Look Here, and who also reads regularly for the talking book company Calibre, spoke to John Plush about how they started performing Love Letters. I had seen the play and uh, always wanted to do it myself, and uh, I asked John to do it with me, who said yes. We decided that we would do it for charity. One or two people got to know about it and said, oh, could you come and do it for us? And that's how it all began. John Horton plays the character Andy. John, how long have you been doing it now? Uh, I think we've been doing it about five years now. And it's always for charity? Yes, always, yes. And where do you perform it? We perform it uh, in church halls, in churches, um, anywhere where there's a space. We can take it all in one uh, car, and uh, so we travel light, we like to say. And so, big question, how much money do you reckon you've raised for charity since you've been doing this? Well, we reckon, we, we've discussed this, it's difficult because we different different amounts, different places, but we reckon probably about £5,000 plus. Best probably was about 1400 in in one, one place, um, and that was for the Alzheimer's Society. And we look forward to uh, making a lot more as time goes on. Pauline, tell us about the play. Um, the principle of the thing is that uh, Melissa and Andy started school together and they have been friends ever since. Andy's job took him away to America. Melissa had rather a hard life and she suddenly decided that she would like to contact Andy and wrote to him. He wrote back and things developed from there. Yeah, well, really, it was a correspondence going way, way back to, to when they were very, very young. And although they lost contact at various points in their lives, they, they quickly picked up their friendship and, uh, and uh, the love for each other they realised they had. I think that's, uh, that's the crux of it. Pauline Beale and John Horton, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. This production for the Talking Newspaper will take place at 7pm on Saturday, July the 23rd at St Peter's Church Hall in Worcester. Tickets are available from Worcester's Tourist Information Centre at the Guildhall at the price of £8, which includes refreshments. All proceeds from the evening go to the Worcester Talking Newspaper. So why not show your support for us and bring your family along for a very special night out? Now back to our usual menu. Birthdays this week. 
On the 26th of June, Duncan Wynn. And on the 2nd of July, Elizabeth Stiles. Now, thought for the week, and I'm asking Penny to read that to us. The thought for the week is from John chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen. Thank you very much. Now useful telephone numbers. You've already had the number here at Colin Chance House at Wilds Lane, Worcester 767766. The police non-emergency number 101. Crime Stoppers 0800 Worcester Hub Worcester 765765 Worcester Live 01905 And that includes Swan Theatre, Huntingdon Hall and the Henry Sandon Hall. Malvern Theatres, 01684-892277. Out of Hours Medical Services, 111. And Samaritans, 116123 which is a free phone number. So we'll move on now to the headlines and I'm going to ask Moira to start us. Okay, so my headline is from Friday, June the 17th. Car keyed during 13-hour shift. A paramedic returned from a 13-hour shift to find a mystery person had caused hundreds of pounds of damage to his car. Phil Llewellyn had gone above the call of duty, staying an hour after his shift ended to take a patient to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham. But he is left wondering why he bothers after returning to his damaged Volkswagen T5 campervan. It was parked outside the gates of Worcester Ambulance Hub in Spetchley Road while he was working from noon to midnight. Mr Llewellyn, who has dedicated 20 years to the ambulance service, said... The closure of the ambulance stations in Evesham and Malvern means there are a lot of people working from Worcester now. The car park gets full, so sometimes I park on the grass verge outside the gates. I've parked there before with no problems, but when I got back late last night, there was a scratch all along the side. It's not something that can be patched up. The whole side will have to be resprayed, so it will cost me in excess of £600. 
Mr Llewellyn from Norton has looked at CCTV from the ambulance hub but said multiple people walked past his van, making it very difficult to identify the person responsible. This is a job that we get paid to do, but we're also out there serving the public and to come back and find this mindless criminal damage is depressing, frustrating and annoying, he said. Did they do it just because it was there or were they targeting the ambulance service? Is it people annoyed about waiting times or something taking it out on ambulance staff? This person could be a former patient of mine or they could be a patient in the future. We're here to serve the local community and we will help anyone with no exceptions. But he added, my faith in the general public is waning lately and I'm wondering why I bother doing the job I do. Now, Saturday, June the 18th, and the headline, Wedding Party Ends in Brawl. Brawl erupts at wedding. A brawl erupted outside a village social club during a wedding reception with reports a woman was punched in the face. The violence broke out outside the Hallow Sports and Social Club in The Green, Hallow, near Worcester. Wedding guests called police after a woman was punched in the face and was taken to A&E on the advice of the emergency services. West Mercia Police was not able to confirm if any arrests were made. Residents living nearby reported hearing a disturbance in the early hours. We have been told another female guest punched the woman, leaving her with a black eye. It is believed a man was also attacked and left with a suspected broken nose as violence spilt onto the main road. Club chairman Wayne Daniels confirmed he ejected a couple who were arguing with each other at his daughter's wedding on Wednesday morning. We called the police to get them involved as we didn't want any trouble. They were removed from the club. We were the ones who got the police involved, said Mr Daniels. He described a couple at the wedding arguing with each other and turning on everyone else before he removed them. Mr Daniels said the attack upon the woman did not happen inside the club and that some of the incident took place on the car park of the Crown Inn opposite. However, he confirmed a woman, a guest at the wedding, had suffered a black eye. She was punched in the face. She suffered a black eye and I believe she is pressing charges, he said. The club is a brilliant place, but you always get one idiot when you have a party. This is the first incident we've had for years. He confirmed three marked police cars and one unmarked car attended. They were absolutely superb. They were fantastic, Mr Daniels said. One resident who did not wish to be named said, We heard shouting at 1.30am on Wednesday morning. We were trying to sleep, but we couldn't, so we just sat in the kitchen. They were really loud out there. Another resident, who also declined to be named, described hearing a very audible argument 
which went on beyond midnight and spilt out onto the street. She added, There were maybe ten people, a mix of ages and a mix of genders, dressed smartly. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman said it was called at 12.21am. Following telephone triage of the patient, they were referred to the emergency department at Worcestershire Royal Hospital, with the patient confirmed they were able to make their own way there. And the headline for Monday, June the 20th, is Police Swoop on Gun Suspect. And there's a photograph of the scene as armed officers tackle this suspect. Armed police grab man over gun fears. There were dramatic scenes at the weekend when armed police swooped on a man reported to be carrying a firearm just metres from Worcester's main police station. The man, who was thought to have a gun, was apprehended by armed police in Castle Street, the same road as Worcester Police Station. Shoppers and drivers were shocked as the armed police tackled two men at about 11.20am on Saturday. West Mercia Police later confirmed the man was carrying a BB gun, a type of air gun designed to shoot metallic balls called BBs. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, It was not an incident of concern. We were called to reports of a firearm and on attendance it became clear that the man in fact had a BB gun. No arrests were made at the scene. The incident took place opposite the Ducati garage near Pitchcroft. The armed police reportedly arrived at the scene in an unmarked black BMW. One eyewitness said, I was parking at Pitchcroft. An unmarked black BMW pulled up and two armed officers jumped out. They made the two guys get on the floor and cuffed them. Worcester newsreader Ian Murray commented, Always good to know the police are there in the background, ready and waiting. Good practice for them and a warning to those with guns, BB or otherwise. Okay, my headline is from Tuesday, June the 21st. CCTV call to help police. Armed police responding to reports of someone with a gun wandering around an estate has prompted calls for more CCTV cameras. Firearms officers were seen searching Tolodyne after someone said they saw a person carrying a gun in Conway. An eyewitness in the area claimed they saw as many as 30 officers, some armed, swarming the road in the early hours of the morning. Nobody was arrested and inquiries are ongoing after the incident on Sunday evening at 11.30pm. Councillor Ali, City Councillor for Nunnery Ward, said there has been an escalation of crime in the area and is calling for CCTV cameras to be installed in Tolodyne. Councillor Alley happened to walk past Conway while the armed officers were searching for the person with a gun. He said, I was there at the time walking to Team Road at around midnight and saw all of the police cars. It is incredibly concerning as I live just a few doors away from Conway and residents in the area should not have to worry about dangers like this. I have been calling for CCTV to be installed on roads like Conway because Tolodyne just does not have enough cameras. 
There have been car break-ins, burglaries and damage to taxis in the area, which CCTV could have certainly helped police. Something needs to change. Police carried out searches in the area but did not find the person. They are now asking for people who live in the area to get in contact if they have any information. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, Around 11.30pm last night, Sunday June the 19th, officers received a report of a person seen with a firearm on Conway off Tullardyne Road in Worcester. Officers attended, including firearms officers. Area and property searches were carried out, but the person has not yet been found. Inquiries are ongoing. If you have any information to help our inquiries, please get in touch. Call 101 or report online, quoting incident number 641 of 19th of June. Armed police were also called to Castle Street on Saturday morning to reports of a man with a gun. Now, Wednesday, June the 22nd, the headline, Shop had £10,000 of illegal cigarettes. Owner claims he has reformed, but faces losing licence. A shopkeeper caught selling £10,000 worth of fake cigarettes could have his licence revoked. Ali Ahmad, licence holder at International Market in Lowesmoor in Worcester, was caught selling counterfeit products during multiple stings by Trading Standards and West Mercia Police. In total, almost 900 packs of fake cigarettes and more than 6 kilos of rolling tobacco, with a value of £10,000, were seized from the city centre shop. Worcester City Council's Licensing Subcommittee meets in the Guildhall on June the 28th to review Mr Ahmad's licence. Mr Ahmad was told to pay costs totalling £3,500 and ordered to complete 250 hours of unpaid work as part of a 12-month community order after pleading guilty to possessing and selling fake cigarettes and rolling tobacco at Worcester Magistrates Court in April. Worcestershire Regulatory Services, WRS, who has called for the licence to be revoked, said Mr Ahmad had been caught several times selling fake cigarettes since 2020, including to undercover officers. Mr Ahmad blamed a third party for having fake cigarettes in the shop when interviewed in July 2020, but another sting a year later found the products were still being sold in the shop, including to another undercover officer, and more items were seized following a search in September 2021. WRS said a shop worker had also tried to hide the bin bag full of fake cigarettes during the surprise visit. In a report due to be discussed by the licensing subcommittee next week, Mr Ahmad said he was now reformed and had learned his lesson. I appreciate that I have failed in many ways with regards to the licensing objective 
prevention of crime and disorder, and I have now reformed myself, he said. My business is heavily reliant on the sale of alcohol, with it providing a large income, and I am very concerned that provoking my licence will cause my business to cease trading, as I will no longer be able to cover overheads. I can assure you that I've learnt my lesson and I am paying back what I owe with means of a fine and community service. Worcestershire Regulatory Services said Mr Ahmad showed total disregard for the licensing objectives and called for his licence to be revoked. And the headline for Thursday, June the 23rd, is car flipped over and it's accompanied by a large rather dramatic photograph of a car on its roof the next uh, subheadline is screams on phone a mum's screams could be heard from a hands-free device after a car ended up on its roof on a main road in worcester Good Samaritans, alerted by a loud banging, rushed to the aid of a driver whose VW Polo car had flipped on London Road on Tuesday. They could hear the anguished wails of the driver's mum through the hands-free device, though the man managed to walk away from the crash unscathed. The car hit a Ford Torneo custom motability car used by a family with disabled sons who say they will now be isolated with their car out of action. Dad, Gary Macy, said, Myself and my partner were first alerted to the incident when we heard three loud bangs outside, followed by screaming. We have two disabled infants and our motability vehicle was damaged in the incident and we now have no vehicle to use until the insurance arranged something. We often need to take emergency trips to Birmingham Children's Hospital because of our little ones, and now we are worried about that. Molly Grehan, who witnessed the crash, said, It happened at 10.10pm, and I was travelling on my way home from work. The police were breathalysing him as I left. She claims he hit the parked cars, got out of the vehicle, and attempted to remove a wheel which had caused the car to flip. He took off the back wheel of the car. The car flipped and a couple of sparks let off. It only flipped once and landed on its roof. It was quite scary. The police asked if I was okay because I was literally a couple of seconds behind him and I had to slam the brakes because I was a little bit behind him and had to do an emergency stop. Ollie Palfrey said, People locally have said it sounded like an explosion. I live close by and heard several bangs. The lad walked away uninjured, which is good. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, We were called shortly before 10.15pm last night following reports of a collision on London Road in Worcester where one moving vehicle had struck a stationary one. Officers attended and road closures were put in place for a short period while the fire and rescue service assessed one of the vehicles. Nobody was injured during the incident. Okay, so we've got a sports article for you now. 
Worcester Warriors star Alex Matthews has left the club to join rivals Gloucester Hartbury. The England international arrived at Six Ways ahead of the 2021 campaign with a big reputation, having lifted the Rugby World Cup in 2014 and been voted RPA Women's Sevens Player of the Year in 2018. The 28-year-old flanker has enjoyed further success since then, including winning her 50th England cap and representing Team GB Sevens at the Tokyo Olympics. Warriors Women's Director of Rugby, Joe Yap, said, We understand the personal reason for Alex's departure and we wish her every success for the future. Alex joined us when she was transitioning from sevens to the 15-a-side game and since then she has established herself as a starting back row player for England, which is a hugely competitive position. Matthew's new head coach, Sean Lynn, cannot wait to see her in cherry and white next season. He said, the fact that we are able to attract players of Alex's talent shows that what we are building here is really special. She is an international who has played at the highest level and she will be a valuable asset to our squad. I can't wait to see her play and help us as we look to build on last season's performances. Matthews is among a host of names waking their way, I think that should be walking their way through Six Ways exit door, joined by Alicia Washington, Ursula Hardy and Larry Williams. Washington scored on her debut for the side on the opening day of the 21-22 season and went on to represent USA Eagles when they took on the Red Roses at Six Ways last autumn. Williams was named Club Person of the Year at the end of 2021 campaign, while Hardy joined the club after impressing for Worcester RFC. Yap added, Ursula and Larry have both added real value to the club and we wish them every success both on and off the field. Alicia has made a strong impact on the field and for us this season and we would like to thank her for her contribution to the team. Warriors are expected to announce new signings in due course alongside a new forwards coach to replace Liza Burchess. Thank you, Moira. Now we'll move on to two sets of readers' letters. So here are the first letters from yesterday, Wednesday, June the 22nd. The first one is from Graham Lucas, who is the manager of Worcester Food Bank. Dear Editor, this week marks the 10th anniversary since Worcester Food Bank opened its doors and as we reflect on that milestone, it's hard not to feel a mix of emotions. When our founding volunteer Anne-Marie Ison and her team, supported by the trustees at All Saints Church, agreed a three-year lease at our original Carden Close premises in June 2012, there was uncertainty over how long Food Bank would be needed. A decade on, and more than 800,000 meals later, and the need for our support has never been greater. In the first full year, we fed 2,850 people, but that number has swollen to more than 11,600 in the past 12 months alone. Referrals have risen at such a pace that six years ago we had to move to larger premises in Lowesmoor, where tackling hunger is now a daunting task. 
hopes of reversing that trend have been undermined by the impact of the pandemic and more recently the cost of living crisis, which has put an unbearable strain on the finances of people already in crisis and those on the cusp of it. Amid the despair of seeing so many people struggling, we've also felt enormous gratitude for the compassion and generosity of our amazing volunteers and the wider community that has sustained us. That generosity is reflected in the 723 tonnes of supplies that have been donated over the past 10 years, alongside incredible fundraising feats by people of all ages. It is that spirit of compassion that feeds our determination to keep going and, with the support of the Trussell Trust, press the government to tackle the root causes of food poverty. That includes ensuring everyone, whether in work or on benefits, has a household income that is sufficient to cover the essentials we all depend on. As we mark this milestone, we call on our local MPs and politicians more widely to do whatever it takes to end hunger so we can look forward to a future where food banks like ours are no longer needed. And the second letter is from David Whitworth of Malvern. Dismay at axing of bus services. Dear Editor, I've recently heard a rumour that the 44 bus service from Malvern to Worcester faces the axe completely due to government cutbacks in funding to the first bus operator and in the way in which the bus operator is run. Is this proposal a serious one or is it just hearsay? I recently wrote to Harriet Baldwin MP exclaiming dismay at the cutbacks in the evenings, on Sundays and at bank holidays of the 44 bus service without any reply back and now that this current proposal is being put under discussion this just adds insult to injury. The bus operator First Bus claims that not enough people are using this service. But I can tell you from experience that now that the service has been reduced from every 20 minutes to every 30 minutes, the buses are loaded with people and are overcrowded. So how can the contrary be stated? This 44 bus service is a vital core service for not everyone can drive or has access to a motor vehicle or car, myself included. The elderly, disabled and the disadvantaged will be particularly badly affected if this Monday to Saturday service is taken away. Please can common sense prevail and some kind of action taken on behalf of local and national government and the bus operator first bus to circumvent any deleterious potential acts to the 44 bus provision on this crucial public transport artery. Now, Penny. The... Letters page uh, from Tuesday, June the 21st, is dominated by a large photograph of the grandstand at Pitchcroft Racecourse 
and crowds of people there. And the first letter asks the question, what about horses who lose their lives? The letter is from Max Burgess of Malvern. Dear Editor, So, Worcester City Council is preparing a £10 million bid to the government to extend the grandstand at Worcester Racecourse. A rooftop bar and restaurant are to be built. What a pity they don't worry a bit more about the horses that have to race there. Last year, five horses died on the course and one horse has already died this year. Their deaths very seldom get mentioned. A total of 220 horses died on British racecourses last year, both over the fences and on the flats. It would be better to spend money to change the venue to multi-use events for people to enjoy that don't exploit animals for entertainment. R.I.P. Pebbly Luna Lady. Hopefully the only horse to die at Worcester Course this year. And the next letter is titled First Class Exhibit and is from C. Stroll from Hells Owen. Dear Editor, I would like to congratulate Worcester Museum and Art Gallery for putting on Hokusai's Great Wave, Reflections on Japan exhibition. It was an outstanding exhibition, truly first class, and the curator and staff should be thanked for this. The audio guide was extremely helpful too, and it was very informative and pointed out things I had not noticed earlier. The staff were friendly and very helpful. The Café Apfurus was lovely. I have told all colleagues about what a wonderful exhibition this was for me and for my two daughters. This must have taken ages to plan, and believe me, it was worth it. All then a real credit to your city. The next letter is titled Borders Debate, and the name and address is not supplied, is supplied but not published. Dear Editor, it is surely clear by now that Britain cannot control its borders whilst it is signed up to the European Convention on Human Rights. While the Convention remains in force, it trumps reforms of the Human Rights Act, as the recent deportation fiasco demonstrated. The Convention, signed in 1953, long before most of us were born, lacks democratic legitimacy and should be repudiated. This would not prevent us from taking in asylum seekers in future, but it would mean that the last word on who is granted a right to remain in the UK would, as it did before 1953, rest with the Home Secretary and not with a court in Strasbourg. If the government were to pull out from the Convention, there would be squeals of protest from lawyers. These beneficiaries should be faced down in favour of the majority of us who have long wanted to put a stop to the seemingly endless flow of cross-channel migrants. OK, so I'll start us off with some of this week's articles. Every little helps blind. A blind college student on a school trip made a suggestion to Tesco staff which has now been implemented at the supermarket. Year 10 pupil Jake was on a trip to Tesco St Peter's when he noticed the toilets were not as inclusive as they could be. 
He suggested to staff adding a braille sign to the customer toilets, which has now been implemented. Store manager Steve Winfield said, Everyone is welcome at Tesco, and when Jake suggested that we add braille signs to the doors that lead to our restrooms, I thought it was a brilliant idea. The new signs complement the measures already in place to ensure that all our colleagues and customers feel at ease in our stores. With the help of Rachel Bluck, the store's community champion, Mr Winfield was able to make the change. A spokesperson from Tesco explained that the possibility of installing Braille to other Tesco stores is being explored. Mr Winfield said, A few weeks ago, Jake, a pupil from at NCWNet, suggested an idea to Rachel, our store community champion, that he felt would really help him, his fellow pupils and customers that shop with us that are blind or visually impaired. A spokesperson from New College Worcester added, A few weeks ago, our local Tesco community champions Angie and Rachel visited New College Worcester for a tour and lunch with the students. One of our Year 10 students, Jake, helped with the tour and talked about his experience of shopping and what Tesco might be able to do to make the store more accessible. Jake suggested braille stickers on the WC doors to help him identify which toilet to use when he shopped there. They continued, Jake felt that it would really help him, his fellow pupils and customers that are blind or vision impaired. Jake made it happen and visited Tesco St Peter's to place the braille stickers. Thank you to Steve Winfield and Rachel Bluck for being so supportive of New College Worcester. Now something that harks back to a very sad occurrence which we this team read about last time we recorded the death of a homeless man in Worcester and as his funeral is due to take place next week this article is um, suitable. Ben wanted to change. A homeless man found dead wanted to leave his old life behind, get himself free of drugs, beat his demons and follow his dreams. David James, a housing officer at St Paul's Hostel in Tallow Hill, Worcester, was one of those who tried to help popular free spirit Ben Chrysler. He described Ben as unique and said he had incredible potential. Hostel staff tried to revive Mr Chrysler, who had battled drug and alcohol addiction. They used a defibrillator and CPR, but he could not be saved. The 36-year-old was found unresponsive after a routine check at his hostel room on Monday, May the 23rd. Mr James, who rushed to the hospital, hostel after learning what had happened, believed Mr Chrysler would beat his addictions and fulfil his dreams. Mr James, 39, said Mr Chrysler had confided in him and told him, I don't want to do this anymore. He added, he had had enough and wanted to leave behind that life. He was optimistic he was committed to change. His intention was to become drug-free and alcohol-free. Mr Chrysler's funeral service will take place at Hope Church in Lowesmore, Worcester, on Thursday, June the 30th at 11.30am.
Mr. James knew Mr. Chrysler for ten years, becoming a constant in his life from the day he left prison in March 2020 to the day he died. I was always around. He confided in me, said Mr. James. Mr. Chrysler gave Mr. James a hug when he saw him at his favourite spot outside the city's Asda store, where several tributes have been left. Mr. Chrysler also met Mr. James's daughter, now aged five. There was a personal plan in place for Mr. Chrysler, who wanted to become a sculptor, and had already employed his creative talents to turn drinks cans into ashtrays, ring pulls into jewellery. Mr. James described Mr. Chrysler as unique, articulate, well-read, and very anti-establishment, anti-authority. He had his own theories and liked to debate. However, he said Mr. Chrysler would let me challenge him over his ideas. Mr. James added, "He was a character, and he's going to be missed." I don't think he realised how liked he was. The next article was from Tuesday, June the twenty-first, and the headline is "Checking Out Store Opening." Shoppers flocked to a new bargain store, which has opened in an empty unit on a retail park. Farm Foods has been welcoming hundreds of shoppers in the first few days since it opened its doors on Friday. The opening has brought with it about twenty new jobs to the city, after it opened in the former Staples stationery unit. Shoppers flocked to the store to see what deals are up for grabs and stock their trolleys with essential items. Kayla Kelly said, "I have kids, so it's great for me. I'll be here regularly. It opened on Friday, and this is my second time." I used to go to the one in Kiddy, but this one is much bigger than the one in Kiddyminster. Some of the deals are really good, but for others you have to watch the prices. In Iceland, it would be a pound, but here it's one pound twenty-nine. Sharon Vernon said, "Some of the deals are quite good. I've picked up some nice milkshakes." The store is spacious and the shelves are packed with frozen goods, essential items, and snacks, and give shoppers plenty of space to shop around and find the best deals. Farm Foods will be open from Tuesday to Friday, between 8 a.m. and 9 p.m. A statement included with the application said, "Farm Foods are a family-owned retailer with a long history of successful trading." They do this by close attention to cost and efficiency. New stores create jobs and provide access to low-priced groceries to the benefit of those on a more limited budget. Stores are located where they are easily accessible and have adequate customer car parking and room for full-size full-size HGV Arctic delivery. The premises on the Shrub Hill Retail Park satisfy Farm Foods' requirements, and once open, will provide customer choice, along with a range of approximately twenty jobs, both full and part-time. This is, it is the first store in Worcester which we have found in over twenty years of searching, which is viable, available, and suitable. Farm Foods 
wish to open the store as soon as possible and are working with the landlord to progress legal paperwork quickly so that it can be achieved. Okay, this story is from Wednesday. There were noisy picket lines and empty train stations as Worcester's rail staff joined in with the nationwide strike. The National Union of Rail, Maritime and Transport Workers held its first planned strike with more set to take place this week. Union members will be striking again tomorrow, so today and on Saturday. Worcester Fourgate Street has closed its doors to the public this morning with signage around the station's windows alerting would-be passengers to other strike closure. Outside Worcester Shrub Hill, a picket line was formed by strikers brandishing flags and signs. As drivers passed the group, many could be heard sounding their horns in support of the strike. A picture was taken of a poster on display at Worcester Fourgate Street over the weekend, which suggested that there would be no trains from the station until Saturday. A taxi driver parked outside Fourgate Street said his business was also affected by the lack of trains. He said lots of trade comes from passengers getting off the train, so it may be quieter than usual. Great Western Railway's website also said there are no scheduled departures or arrivals for Great Malvern or Malvern Link train stations today. It is the same situation at Evesham, Pershaw and Ledbury. GWR said none of its services between Hereford and Oxford, which includes stations in Worcestershire and the Cotswolds, will be running this week. Evesham station master Gary Hale said, I've been here at the station since 5am and I've seen a handful of people, mainly young'uns, who don't watch the news. However, train services are expected to be impacted on the days without planned strike action as well, due to knock-on effects, with around 60% of normal services running. Tomorrow onwards, possibly some trains, but no guarantees, added Mr Hale. GWR is advising people not to travel between now and Sunday. My next article is from Tuesday, June the 21st, and it concerns a Worcestershire cricket team made up of visually impaired or blind players. This team held a match and invited schoolchildren to raise awareness of the inclusivity of sport. The match between MCC and Worcestershire Elizabethan's visually impaired cricket team is an annual fixture and took place at Old Elizabethan's Cricket Club. MCC played the match wearing simulation spectacles to impair their vision, making the match between the two teams fair. Oliver Uffindall, match manager of MCC, said... We play around 500 fixtures each year and have around 2,000 members. Lynn arranged this fixture. We've been coming here for around seven years now. We've got players from all over the country and people can apply to play fixtures so the people who want to get involved in this style of game can apply for it. It's humbling to play a version of cricket that's not our normal one. There's a bigger ball with a bell inside it. We shout play and ready. Anyone completely blind has to let the ball bounce twice before they hit it and they get double runs. They can also let the ball bounce before they catch it when they're fielding. For people who are visually impaired, though, it's more or less the same. 
we all wear the simulation spectacles to make it fair. We want everyone to understand that you can still play sport if you're visually impaired. It's just a slightly different version of the game. They play like this all the time, so they will probably be much better than we are. Lynn Newell, who runs the Worcestershire Elizabethan's visually impaired team, said, We play MCC annually. We invited the local school and site concern because we wanted to raise the profile of visually impaired cricket. This is the VI team's home ground. They're part of the England and Wales Regional League for Blind Cricket, but because of COVID, people are struggling to get players. Some of the team had never played cricket before joining us. We met on Monday afternoons and Wednesday evenings. The club invited North Worcester Primary School to watch the game and learn about inclusive sport. I'm also reminded of a remark by the Prince of Wales years ago when visiting our local school for the visually impaired and the first time he'd seen football or football for the blind. Anyway, he referred to it as one of the most dangerous things I've ever seen, but was very impressed. Penny. This article is from Friday, June the 17th. Children on drug trips. A woman who hid behind her relationship with a, a convicted drug trafficker from Witchbold to evade prosecution for her own offences has been jailed. Sinead Lavelle, 34, of Offmore Road, Kidderminster, was found guilty of conspiracy to supply cocaine after a four-week trial in December. She was sentenced to three years in prison at Hereford Crown Court. Four men, including her partner, Gareth Pegler of Saxon Way, Witchbold, were convicted of drug-related offences during the same trial and sentenced to a total of more than 26 years in prison. The other men were Migaili Massey of Stourbridge Road in Dudley, Carl Browning of Hercot Road, Kidderminster, and Darren Pegler of Coronation Way, Kidderminster. Judge Martin Jackson said in his summing up that although Lavelle may not have been a totally willing participant, she was at the very least turning a blind eye, with Lavelle having previously said about Gareth Pegler, he does what he does. Lavelle was told, you stayed and rekindled a relationship with a partner who is a professional criminal, so there has to be a price to pay. Her role in the enterprise involved collecting drugs, paying those involved, and she was present on some of the drugs trips, including at times with her children. Detective Sergeant Gareth Evans said, Wives and partners often try to hide behind the relationship, claiming a lack of knowledge in an attempt to evade prosecution, as Sinead Lavelle did in this case. She assisted with the enterprise and benefited from both the profits and the lifestyle. He continued, As a result of her involvement and sentence, her children are now faced with the unfortunate situation where both parents are absent and serving sentences in prison. 
anyone who involves themselves in criminality or turns a blind eye to benefit from the profits will be actively pursued by West Mercia Police. So before you do, consider the consequences and ask yourself if it is really worth it. West Mercia Police says it reviews all reports of criminal activity it receives. Anyone can call 101 or visit westmerciapolice.police.uk forward slash ro forward slash report forward slash. Alternatively, information can be given anonymously by calling Crime Stoppers on 0800 Safety concerns for a person sitting on the edge of Worcester's main bridge saw so a main road in the city centre closed off on Monday evening. Police were called to Worcester Bridge and closed it off for the well-being of the woman and to maintain the safety of all concerned. Eyewitnesses reported seeing a girl sat on the bridge and a large number of police and fire engines at the scene from 8.15pm. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said, We were called to the River Bridge in Worcester where there was concern for the safety of a woman who was sitting on the bridge. The road was closed at about 8.20pm to allow emergency services to talk to the woman and maintain the safety of all concerned. The situation was successfully resolved at 8.40pm and the woman is now receiving appropriate treatment and care. We would like to thank members of the public for their patience during this time while this incident was ongoing. My next article is about walking. Hills Walk is UK's best. A scenic walk in Worcestershire has been ranked as one of the top ten places to walk, according to a new study. Malvern Hills has earned seventh place in a national study, ranking the most searched walks in the country. Research by waterproof accessory retailer Sealskins said Malvern Hills has been searched for over 733,000 times in the past two years. In the UK, almost 3 million people embark on a hike at least twice a month. Not only that, but nature lovers are searching for steeper mountains which suggest that UK walkers enjoy a challenge. The famous hills have become a popular destination for walkers from the district and across the United Kingdom. James Moody, director of Sealskins, said, It's important to keep your feet hands and head warm and dry when outdoors at winter to avoid discomfort and illness. Investing in waterproof socks, gloves and hats for any time of year is advisable, as the UK's weather can be unpredictable. Many people believe the more layers the better, but it's more effective to have less layers made from efficient materials. Wool's best, as it's durable and a great insulator to help keep you warm and dry. Plus, it can also stay warm even when wet. Breathability is also important when hiking, as feet will release sweat even in cold weather. Once your feet are wet, issues such as blisters, numbness and frostbite may even occur. Merino, wool and nylon are both very breathable and great for hiking. 
This study found that nature lovers prefer routes by water, with the majority of the top ten walks passing by rivers, reservoirs or coastlines. And there's a glorious picture taken from the Malvern Hills which shows trees, fields and, yes, water. So sealskin's analysis revealed the top ten walks in the UK. Number one, Snowdon in Wales. Number two, Ben Nevis, Scotland. Three, Scarfell Pike, Lake District. Number four, Helvellyn, Lake District. Five, Mamtor, Derbyshire. Six, Ingleton Falls Trail, Lancashire. Seven, Malvern Hills, Worcestershire. Eight, Brimham Rocks, North Yorkshire. Nine, West Highland Way, Scotland. And ten, Old Harry Rocks, Dorset. My next article has the headline, Refugees Fight to Find New Work. A Ukrainian journalist and former army veteran who fled her home is struggling to find work in Worcester. Single mum Lyra Bulakova is from Kiev and wanted to stay in Ukraine and fight in the war, but left the country to protect her three-year-old son, Tim. She said, Not long before the war, I went to Europe for two days for my work. My son was staying at home with his grandmother. While I was in Frankfurt, my evening flight back to Kiev was cancelled. Lufthansa said that their pilots won't stay in Ukraine overnight anymore, as it was too dangerous. At the same time, a lot of embassies were evacuated from our city. All this news, suddenly viewed from a distance, and with my child remaining in Ukraine, it changed my mind suddenly. It scared me, to be honest. I realised that my flight is cancelled, and that there might be no other one, and that there might be no mobile reception in Ukraine in the morning, that I might not be even able to find my son. She packed her bags, knowing the Russian invasion was imminent. At the same time, I realised that no matter how much I want to fight, I can be only as effective in the war zone as my three-year-old is. Miss Berlakova is currently staying with Catherine Milner and Simon Mallinson in Upton Snodsbury. Miss Berlakova wishes to continue working as a journalist and writer, but feels she is hindered as English is not her first language. Her son has been accepted into Kroll Preschool for 15 hours per week, so she cannot take on a full-time job without having someone to care for him. She has a photography page and aims to work as a photographer to earn a living and keep her son with her while she works. She added, The hardest part of it all is that I do feel that I should be in Ukraine and should defend my country. But there's no one else I can leave my child with. All the other members of my family, close ones and far ones, are in Ukraine, doing whatever they can for it, from fighting in the armed forces to providing the country with electricity, as my father, who works at a nuclear power plant. 
A small business owner is relieved to have been paid the £17,000 they were owed by Worcester Warriors Rugby Club after waiting months for the payment. Rachel Edmonds, the owner of The Butcheress, has finally been paid by the club after contacting the Worcester News. Worcester Warriors has apologised and said it was working on improving its cash flow situation after being hit by rising costs and the pandemic. Miss Edmonds said, It's fabulous that it's all sorted now. We won't be working with them again unless they pay cash in hand up front. They paid us this morning, Wednesday, and it's a relief to be able to put the cash back into the business and pay our suppliers, who, are, who we are behind on paying, as a result of all this to get us out of the woods. Miss Edmonds has now dropped a county court judgment against Worcester Warriors, which she filed after not being paid. She took to social media last week after we reported that some of the Warriors rugby players had been paid late. Posting on Facebook, she said, Glad they've managed to pay their players, still waiting for all the money they owe me. She later posted, If they don't pay, it could be the end of the butcheress. After being contacted by the Worcester News for a comment, Worcester Warriors paid the full sum to Miss Edmonds. A statement from the club said, Warriors, like most other businesses, have seen our income streams affected by a number of factors beyond our control, including the COVID-19 pandemic and steeply rising prices. An unfortunate consequence has been a delay in the payment of some of our suppliers. We apologise for the delay and assure all our suppliers that we are working to improve our cash flow situation so that they can be paid as quickly as possible. We thank all our suppliers and partners for their continued patience and understanding. Miss Edmonds put all of her savings into establishing the butcheress following a background in farming and the wholesale butchery industry. The company has a retail shop in Stoke Prior near Bromsgrove and also supplies local businesses with British meat. Before being paid, Miss Edmonds said, I'm a small business and a single mum. I bent over backwards to help them. This could be the end of my business. They have sold my meat but not paid me for it. It's upsetting because I work so hard. Now a positive article. School given good marks. A Worcester Secondary School has been reviewed as good by Ofsted, maintaining the standards since 2013. Blessed Edward Oldcorn Catholic College was found to be a clean and bright place to learn by Ofsted inspectors. They also found pupils were proud to be a part of the school community. Inspectors found pupils have trusted adults they can speak to if they have any concerns and parents and carers are generally kept very informed and recommend the school highly. Inspectors said... Pupils look after their school well. Pupils respect their environment, staff and each other. Staff make sure that new pupils settle in quickly so they feel part of the school. As a result, pupils feel valued and can flourish. Ofsted found pupils with SEND receive effective support and that different methods of support are put in place to allow these pupils to make progress. 
To improve the school, inspectors added, leaders have not put the E back at the central centre of their curriculum. As a result, some pupils don't access the academic breadth that this suite of subjects provides. Leaders do not have a full, fully developed understanding of how well the curriculum is implemented in each subject. Consequently, their work to determine which subjects should be a focus of their school improvement priorities is relatively new. Leaders should carry on the work they've started to evaluate different subjects. Greg McClary, head teacher of the school, said, We're pleased that Ofsted inspectors recognise the lengths our staff go to ensure that our students are at the centre of everything we do. A commitment to everyone in our community growing as people of good character is at the heart of what we do, while ensuring that our students are taught a broad and wide-ranging curriculum which best meets their individual needs. Staff at Blessed Edwards are confident in what they do, but continue to keep their feet on the ground and recognise that there is always room for further improvement. Plans are already in place to ensure that our school continues to develop and improve further, while retaining the unique ethos which makes it such a special place to work and study. My next article is from Tuesday, June the 21st and headlined Stolen Car Trip to Jail. A teenager who spent six months on the run has been jailed after stealing a car, fleeing from police and running over a pedestrian. Anthony A.J. Mayer, 19, and formerly of Evesham Road in Norton, was sentenced to two years for causing, for causing serious injury by dangerous driving and aggravated vehicle taking. Mayer stole, stole a black Mitsubishi Evo from a car park on Shakespeare Road, Cheltenham, on January the 22nd, 2021. A tracker fitted to the car was used to follow Mayer as he headed to Bishop's Cleeve, where he failed to stop the police. Officers requested support from the National Police Air Service and Mayer was followed to Millam Lane, where a stinger was deployed. At this point, Mayer mounted and drove along a footpath within a housing estate in a bid to evade officers, narrowly missing one pedestrian before colliding with a second. Mayer and one other person fled from the car and did not attempt to check on the injured pedestrian who was trapped under the car. He was traced to a nearby address and arrested on suspicion of failing to stop and dangerous driving. The passenger who ran was tracked by the air service, directing officers who arrested them. Three men were arrested within the house and a fourth on the street after being followed by a police helicopter. All four were interviewed and released under investigation whilst officers conducted further inquiries, which included digital technologies and forensic analysis. A number of mobile phones were seized from the group and one showed a video, video of Mayer driving the stolen car. The man run over by Mayer, 
who doesn't wish to be named, was left bedbound for four months after sustaining serious leg and foot injuries. In a statement, he said, I have tried to remain positive and focus on recovery. I hope the young man that caused my injuries can get the right help and guidance to be rehabilitated and have a better future. Mayor, now of Wadden Road in Cheltenham, was sentenced at Gloucester Crown Court on Thursday, June the 16th. He will serve one year in custody before being released on licence for the second. Upon release from prison, he will be disqualified for driving from driving for three years. Neighbours have said a plan to build a new student accommodation block would create parking chaos and destroy the peace and quiet of the area. Major new plans would see 54 flats built next to St Clemens Church in Hennick Road in Worcester. Dozens of objections have already been lodged with Worcester City Council in just under a week. Louise Neal of St Clement's Close said providing no parking was laughable. Students living here in a four-storey building will upset the peace, quiet and equilibrium of the area, she said. Students will have friends and family visit and none of them will have anywhere to park. Limiting the inhabitants to cycles is laughable. Another objector, Jeanette Brown of Hawkwood Crescent, said this is not wanted or needed. Think about the public who live and work in the area all year round instead of people who are only here temporarily. There is plenty of accommodation already available for students. This development will only cause additional pressure, noise, traffic, litter and other problems if it goes ahead. Objector Lisa Stanley of Church Terrace said, I think this is an outrageous decision. Where will all the students park their cars? This is a ridiculous place to build. So much student accommodation in a very crowded road with too many cars as it is, is this should not be allowed. St Clement's Church Hall, which was built in 1909 but has been empty for several years, would be demolished to make way for the new block as part of the plan by developer New Venture Housing. The new block would be the second large student accommodation building to be built within 200 metres of each other in Hennick Road. Major work to convert the landmark former home of the city's YMCA into 163 student flats finally started in 2021 after years of delays. Another objector, Caroline Fitzgerald of Blakefield Road, said there are elderly residents next door and this will impact them as well. This will not add to the community in St John's. It will destroy what little there is left. And now the latest in a series of articles on the ongoing trial of David Venables of Kemsey, who is accused of murdering his wife. Nephew tells how remains were found. The nephew of David Venables, accused of murdering his wife Brenda, told a jury he was present when her remains were found at his property. David Venables denies murdering his wife between May the 2nd and May the 5th, 1982. The jury at Worcester Crown Court earlier heard the 89-year-old retired pig farmer was arrested in July 2019 after Brenda's remains were found in a septic tank at Quaking House Farm in Kemsey. 
David's nephew, Andrew Venables, took the witness box on Friday. The jury heard Andrew's wife, Jessamy, phoned Aqua Cleansing after a septic tank at their home, Quaking House, had been unusually full of water. The firm sent out Alastair Pitt and Andrew said he kept an eye on his work as he wanted to understand how to stop blockages from happening. Mr Pitt discovered a human skull and his pipe also became blocked by human hair. When he told me I, want to ha- I went to have a look, said Andrew. Prosecutor Michael Burroughs, QC, asked, You phoned the police? Yes, Andrew replied. Andrew confirmed there was no contact with his uncle in the days after the discovery. He also shared details of his childhood and said Brenda went missing when he was 14. He said he only saw his uncle and aunt during school holidays as he was at boarding school. Asked to describe Brenda, Andrew said she was very well presented, clean and tidy in housework. She was hospitable to me, bringing orange juice and coffee. She was a nice, kind lady. The jury heard the statement given by Alistair Pitt after the discovery of human remains. He said, I had only been working in the job for two weeks. I started to suck out the contents. I encountered a blockage. Mr Pitt said he found large chunks of hair and large bones and told Andrew Venables they were not animal. What happened really shook me up, he said. Jessamy Venables also gave evidence telling the jury David Venables first suggested they bought Quaking House in 2007, but they said no. She told the jury the couple had explored the possibility, including in 2010, but decided it didn't suit their needs. Jessamy Venables said after the birth of a child and wanting to live in a school catchment area, they'd then changed their mind. It was me who went to David Venables and said we had a deal on a house fall through and we want to buy your house, said Jessamy Venables. The trial continues. The next article is from Wednesday, June the 22nd. Vets Trust in Hospital. A hospital in Worcester has been recognised for providing best care to veterans. The Trust, which runs Worcester, Worcestershire Royal Hospital in Worcester, has been formally recognised as veteran aware. Recognition of the status comes from the Veterans Covenant Healthcare Alliance, VCHA as the country marks the start of Armed Forces Awareness Week this week. The Trust celebrated the achievement and marked the start of Armed Forces Awareness Week with a flag-raising ceremony and a minute's silence at Worcestershire Royal Hospital today, Monday, accompanied by a Salvation Army bugler. The VCHA is a group of NHS healthcare providers in England committed to providing the best standards of care for the armed forces community based on the principles of the Armed Forces Covenant. The Armed Forces Covenant, which recently passed into law, is a promise by the nation ensuring that those who serve or who have served in the armed forces and their families are treated fairly. 
The aim is to develop, share and drive the implementation of best practice that will improve armed forces veterans' care, while at the same time raising standards for everyone across the NHS. Dr Christine Blanchard, Chief Medical Officer at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust and Chair of the Trust's Armed Forces Strategy Group, said... We are delighted to have been awarded Veteran Aware status, which recognises our commitment to improving the care for our Armed Forces veterans and their families. The Trust is also part of the Armed Forces Employer Recognition Scheme and last year received the Bronze Award, reflecting our support for those who serve. We are currently working towards our Silver Award. Our staff include many reservists, armed forces leavers and military families and we are grateful for the skills that these experiences bring to the Trust, helping us to deliver our purpose to put patients first. The Trust also signed the Armed Forces Covenant in 2020, setting out its commitment and support to members of the armed forces community who work in the organisation or access services. VCHA Regional Lead David Wood said Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust have demonstrated clearly their achievement of each of the eight manifesto standards that has been recognised and approved by the National Steering Group and they now join 118 other trusts in the region and nationally already accredited as veteran aware. 118 NHS providers in England are now veteran aware accredited. Two have been re-accredited and the VCHA aims to have all trusts in England accredited by March 2023 at the latest. A doctor from Worcestershire has received a medal for his outstanding service to the medical field. Dr James France, who works as an A&E consultant at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, has received a medal for his outstanding contribution to the Royal College of Emergency Medicine. Dr France was presented by the President of the Royal College of Emergency Medicine, Dr Catherine Henderson, at the Diploma and Awards Ceremony at Central Hall Westminster in London. The medal was given to recognise Dr Francie's work on a range of national guidance for emergency departments and several essential items for the Royal College of Emergency Medicine. Throughout his career, Dr France worked closely with the Royal College of Radiologists, the British Orthopaedic Association, as well as statutory bodies such as the Health Service Investigation Branch. After receiving the medal, Dr France said, I was surprised to be told I was going to be presented with the medal, but I'm very grateful for all the support and help from my colleagues within the emergency department and the wider hospital who provided help and advice on a variety of different guidance for emergency departments, including staffing, whistleblowing, COVID-19, as well as clinical guidance, such as diagnosis of thoracic aortic dissection and management of ruptured aortic abdominal aneurysms. Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust said, One of our A&E consultants, Dr James France, has received a medal for outstanding contribution to the Royal College of Emergency Medicine. 
the medal was presented at an awards ceremony in London for recognition of his work producing a range of high-quality guidance for emergency departments across the country. And now a feel-good article. Stylish generosity. A father who feared he would lose his leg after a horrific crash has been offered a free Rolls-Royce ride for his bride-to-be on their wedding day. Zach Martin vowed to walk his bride, Anna Smith, down the aisle after a careless driver ploughed into his motorbike in Poick, causing catastrophic life-changing injuries. The crash left him fearing his shattered leg would have to be amputated, but doctors managed to save his limb. The couple had to cancel their wedding at the Holt Fleet on July the 1st and were rescheduled for next year. Now Ian Griffin, the boss of a Worcestershire wedding car company, has offered the couple free use of one of his stylish cars to make the big day even more memorable. The 32-year-old of Orford Way, Malvern, struggles to walk after he was hit by the careless driver on November the 5th. Sarah Chapman, 55, of Holly Green Upton, was handed just six penalty points, fined £250 and ordered to pay costs of £110 and a victim surcharge of £34. She pulled out of Sparrowhall Lane onto the main Malvern Road in her Vauxhall Zafira, hurtling into his Yamaha YZFR1. The former Worcester Tech student can no longer work as a production manager at a welding and fabrication company based in Worcester, nor has he been able to drive. Wife-to-be Anna Smith is now his carer. The couple have daughter Phoebe, aged three. Mr Martin said, It's an extremely generous offer that we would love to take him up on. We are truly grateful and Anna cannot wait to be taken to her big day in first-class style. Thanks to Ian Griffin at Wedding Cars, our special day will now be even better. Mr Griffin, owner of Worcestershire Wedding Cars, has four cars for them to choose from. Two Rolls-Royce Silver Clouds, Grace and George, a Bentley Arnage Red Label and a Jaguar XJ8. We reported in 2009 how Mr Griffin donated a bride-to-be a free Rolls-Royce ride after she suffered whiplash in a horse and carriage incident. Mr Griffin said, It's good when someone has hit a rough patch to cheer them up a bit. Thanks go to Penny and Moira and Alex for reading and recording, and to Carol Hartle for leading our vital admin provision. We hope you've enjoyed listening and that you'll be back for more next time. So it's best wishes from me, Evelyn, and from all the team. Goodbye. Bye.
Malcolm Charles Doe sadly passed away at Springfield Rest Home, Malvern, on Friday the 3rd of June 2022, aged 86 years. Funeral service will take place on Monday, 11th of July 2022, at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, please. Anthony Morris North, Tony. Funeral service to take place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Monday the 27th of June 2022 at 11am. All welcome. Family flowers only, please. Kathleen Nancy Forsyth, nay Harwood, on, of Broadwas on Team, Worcester. Nancy passed away peacefully at Worcestershire Royal Hospital, Worcester, on 15th of May 2022, aged 93 years. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 28th of June 2022 at 1.45pm. Eileen Rose White, nay Phillips, passed away on the 9th of June 2022 at Worcester Royal Hospital, aged 83 years. Funeral service to be held at Hereford Crematorium, Friday the 1st of July 2022 at 10.15am. Family flowers only. Alfred Holding sadly passed away on 9th of June 2022, aged 80 years. A service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on the 29th of June 2022 at 2.30pm. Christine Cottrell, Iris of Flyford Flavel, passed away on June 5th 2022, aged 92 years. Funeral service at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Thursday, June the 30th at 3pm. Family flowers only, please. Betty Hawker passed away peacefully with her family by her side on 27th of May, 2022, aged 90 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 27th of June at 1.45pm. Family flowers only, please and uh, wear bright colours if desired. Walter Henry Newman, Wally, passed away peacefully after a short illness on 26th of May 2022, aged 83 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 27th of June at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Dennis Redding of St John's Worcester, passed away peacefully on 7th of June 2022, aged 91 years. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 29th of June 2022 at 11.30am. Family flowers only. Joyce Lillian Vera Smith, or Joy, passed away unexpectedly on the 15th of May 2022 at home, aged 95 years. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday 24th of June at 3.15pm. Audrey Elizabeth Yaranton passed away with family round her on the 11th of June 2022, aged 74 years. Funeral service at St Matthias's Church Malvern on Friday the 1st of July at 11am. 
Bright Colours Welcome. Noreen Erica Jaques passed away on June the 8th, 2022, aged 90 years. Funeral service at the Vale Crematorium Fladbury on Thursday the 7th of July at 12 noon. Family flowers only, please. John Morris passed away peacefully on the 26th of May 2022, aged 80 years. Funeral service on Wednesday the 29th of June at Worcester Crematorium at 10.45. Family flowers only. William John Prosser passed away at the Alexandra Hospital, Redditch, on the 30th of May 2022, aged 97 years. The funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium on Wednesday the 6th of July 2022 at 3pm. Family flowers only, please. Susan Mary Walker, née Kestel, of Devon Road passed away peacefully at home on the 12th of June 2022, aged 76 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 30th of June at 11.30am. And finally, what strikes me as a humorously loving obituary. Colin Thomas Robert White born on the 23rd of November 1941. Only son of the late Thomas and Florence White, formerly of London and Worcester, latterly of Bankfoot and Errol, passed peacefully on Friday, June the 10th, 2022, at Achille Care Home, after a long illness dealt with with sheer bloody-mindedness and a few dozen politically incorrect comments. Service at Perth Crematorium, 10.30, 28th of June, family flowers only.